think she wrote, what, nine songs this summer already? What a gift. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Glad you're here, family. We, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Nats have, um, they, uh, they, they decided to resurrect. And uh, next week, keep an eye on, the, on, on things because I believe next week we're going to have an indoor option as well. So we'll have the outdoor option, but we will have an indoor option, I'm pretty sure, unless something uh, mitigates from that happening. So just uh, keep an eye on your emails and so forth. And if you don't, we don't have that information, please let us, you know, uh, co connect with you that way. So let us know what's going if uh, if you would like that. Um, I wanna I want to talk about I want to talk about Father's Day. I want to talk about it's Father's Day, right? And there's always a challenge on, like, Mother's Day and Father's Day, there's always a challenge. There's always, there's always some difficulty. Um, there's always um, remembrance. Sometimes it's a sad day, you know, on Mother's Day or Father's Day when your, um, you know, your parents have uh, gone and, uh, and or, or maybe sad memories or, or hurtful memories sometimes. Um, and so when when you're speaking to a general audience and yet it's a, it's a day that we really ought to honor fathers and we ought to speak to fathers, that's always a consideration in, in the process. But I believe that all can benefit as we talk about fathers and healthy fathers and, and really godly fathers and the importance of, of that. Um, I, I believe today... And I just want to start off with this. I believe godly men are under attack. Young men are under attack today in our culture. And has been for quite a while. And um, the consequence of have, has been devastating to, um, to our culture, to, to families. It's just um, what has happened and what has taken place. And it's, I really don't have time to go all into you know, all the ramifications and everything, but um, we have redefined what it means to be a man. I'm talking culturally. And it was a pretty easy process that began. And uh, uh, some of the process had to do with, um, with the, the beginning of fatherless homes. And, and in that process came um, a redefinition of what it needs to be a man, mostly through um, the media and through the education process. And so uh, there has been today where, you know, men are pretty much described as immature boys, and that's what manhood is supposed to be. And it certainly isn't, and it isn't what God had intended for it to be. And the only way we can actually see what really uh, a man is supposed to be is actually to go to the scriptures. We're to, the, the, the Bible describes what a man really is. And culture will always, and I would say um, inspired by the kingdom of darkness, um, the, the culture is in, uh, uh, buys into uh, a view or um, a definition of manhood that is ultimately destructive and divisive. And, uh, and it's, 
it really has done so much damage to our culture. And because of that, we are becoming a culture that has basically thrown away uh, fathers as being um, kind of as being uh, not important, not essential, um, that they aren't even needed. But the fact is, fatherless homes are, well, they're, they're the 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 pain that comes along with and um, the disadvantage. I I titled it father privilege. We've been hearing of other kinds of privilege, racial privileges. The fact is, all the statistics can tell you that the difference, the the biggest and easiest defined um, disadvantage or advantage in our culture today is whether someone has a healthy father in the home. That is, that you, if you uh, have a home with a healthy father in it, you know immediately that there is an advantage. And I'll talk to those of you that I know we always have to deal with the, 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 the fact is, what do you do if you don't have a healthy father in a home? Can our kids still you know, do well? And the answer to that is yes, but there is an automatic disadvantage. Um, statistics tell us this right off the bat. In fact, 63% of the suicides in, in, uh, in our country are from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90%. 85% of children with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes homes. Seven, um, 75% of all adolescent chemical abuse patients in drug rehab treatment centers are from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth in prison are from fatherless homes. I mean, if you want to talk about privilege, you would say Father privilege is the greatest privilege, and fatherless privilege is the greatest disadvantage that we have in our culture, and yet nobody talks about that. It is just completely ignored in all the, 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 you know, the arguments of change and things, because there is a movement to divide and, and conquer and destroy the family unit. And have the government become the agent that takes the place of the family unit. It will never survive. It'll never work. It's shocking, these things. But it's, it shouldn't be surprising to us. Um, fathers influence so far more important uh, things in society, society than, than, we do, than we give credit to. We don't really understand. And, and that does not diminish the role and the, the importance of mothers in the home. God has designed both mothers and fathers in complementary roles. And if you take one out, then, then there is a very important element that is missing in the, the family unit that is essential. When a father's absence in, indifferent or inadequate, it makes it much harder for a child. And for single parents, I'm going to give you some suggestions at the end that will help you. So um, hold on in that. But, but 
I do want to make it clear. If, if a child lives in a home where the mother goes to church, but the father doesn't, only one in 18 children will attend church in adulthood. On the other hand, if a father attends church where the mother does not, 66% of the children will attend church in adulthood. When both parents attend church, 75% of the children will become regular attenders. And I believe that could be 100%, or at least close to it, with some simple changes in the family in understanding what needs to take place early on as we're raising our children. And, of course, decisions made um, in adolescence that parents can make. That can make sh- that can, if, you're, if you have two people going... Uh, two parents coming to church, your children should, 75% is not high enough. I believe it should be way up there. Um, Simply because um, there are some things in our culture that are really pulling against our kids. If we understand them, we can make the the adjustments. Uh, So, the the importance of dads, and so I want to just say this, dads, those of you that are here, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for you and for, for the family, for the church. <clears throat> the fact is, um, Father's Day, and I, I, I had to check this because I didn't believe it at first, because it's not characteristic of our church um, and hasn't been, but um, Father's Day is the lowest attended uh, 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 Sunday church service of the year. Lower, the, lower than uh, Labor Day and Memorial Day and uh, some of the other days that, that uh, you would n- n- normally consider. And, uh, and that's a sad statistic. I'm grateful because of our men's ministry and, and all the men in our church that that is not the case in our church but, and hasn't been over the years. But I, am, I understand the, the fact is we need more godly Fathers, and so I want to talk about being a godly father, and we're going to be in Deuteronomy five and six this morning, as we talk about this. And I want to—I'm just going to give you three points, dads. Okay, three points, because I know that you're ready. At some point, you're going to have a great lunch. All of you men already got breakfast in bed, right? And uh, and you're, you had you had just had a wonderful morning already. Um, and so we want to we wanna make sure you have a, a great afternoon as well. But godly fathers, a, if you're writing this down, put this down. A godly father has a healthy respect for God. A godly father has a healthy respect. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, I'm going to be in verse number 24. And, uh, and this is where... Um, the, the law is being brought up again before the children of Israel go back into the, or head for the promised land after they've wandered for 40 years. And there's a re, re, rewriting, or not rewriting, but rereading of the law. And, uh, and advice is given for parents in raising their children. So if God's given advice, we ought to take uh, heed to it, right? And he said, he said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. And we have seen this day that God speaks with men, yet he still lives. Now, God spoke 
listen, to the entire, the, the, the entire uh, people of Israel. God spoke. Could you imagine getting, seeing God manifest and speaking to everyone at once? Everyone's hearing God. And there's this great, um, you know, God, God is speaking with this great voice, and you could hear it. It's probably booming, you know, the loving voice of God. And it says, we have seen this day that God speaks with men, yet he still lives. And now therefore, yet he still lives, meaning men, we still live. God spoke and we still live, which is surprising to them. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? And you, go, and you go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. So what has happened is God spoke and they all are frightened. I mean, they are, they are completely frightened and they say this. They say, Moses, we don't want this anymore, okay? We don't want to hear God anymore. We don't want to see the fire. Listen, you talk to God, all right? Because we lived through it. He didn't kill us, but we don't want to risk that anymore. You talk to God. And listen what God says. This is, this, when I read this, and it kind of sunk into me uh, in a deeper way this time as I was reading. In verse 29 it says, Oh, that they had such heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments. Now listen what God is saying. He says, Oh, that they would, they would always be like this. They would always have this heart that, that, that has a health, and I say healthy respect because the Hebrew word both means both. Fear and respect. Okay? There's this healthy fear of God. There's this healthy respect for God. And God says, oh, that they would always have that. And then he says, and he, and he says, because I want them to shake in my presence always. That's not what he says. Listen why he says, I want them to always have this fear and this respect. That it might be well with them. And with their children forever. You see what God is saying? I want them to be blessed. And if they have this healthy fear and respect, well, they're going to be blessed. They, they, if they, they don't have that, they're not going to be blessed. This, this is why God says, I want you to have this healthy fear. He, he reveals himself in the fire. He reveals himself in his glory. He reveals himself in his greatness as much as we can take. If God revealed himself fully in all of his glory, of course the scripture says our bodies couldn't handle it, we would be consumed. But, but if he could, if we could see everything in the glory of God in his fullness, we would be so frightened of God. Because of his greatness, because of his great, because of the difference, the, the vast difference between us and the nature and the power and, and the awesomeness of God. 
the vast difference, which we cannot fully grasp and imagine. We can only try to. But if we could see it, we would be so frightened in the presence of God. And God does not really want us to be that kind of fearful frightened. He wants us to have a healthy respect for him. And with that healthy respect causes us to go, I can't, I can't go against God. I don't want to. And this is what he says happens. It's so that you would be blessed and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. That if you have that healthy respect, that there, God will bless you and your children, everybody say forever, forever, forever. See, so God says to them, and so this healthy respect is absolutely essential. It's absolutely essential. And then he says, now this is a commandment. And these, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping to, to chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is a commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are, you are crossing over to possess. And then he, then he tells them, he gives them these wonderful incentives. Listen to the incentives God gives them. He says, um, that you may fear the Lord your God and keep his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you and your son and your grandsons all the days of your life, and here's the incentives, that your days may be prolonged. He's saying you can have long life. And this is a promise in Scripture, a promise that I believe that every Christian ought to grab hold of and then put their faith on. I, I, I believe every promise can be, the promises of God are yes and amen, but not the promises of, the, the promises, the 7,000 promises of God in the scripture are not always seized. We need to seize the promise that is given and we grab hold of it. And this is a promise. Now God says this and he says it over and over again. He tells us uh, uh, long life and, and in fact, in Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied. Your years of life will be added. So God says, I'm going to add years to your life if you have this re- healthy respect for God. Maybe it's simply because we're obeying him and we're doing the right things that are, in fact, uh, extending our life. But God makes this promise. Another incentive God gives is he says, Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe that it may be well with you. So not, not only long life, but that, that your life will be blessed, your, a better life. God is saying, I'm gonna get, I'll give you a better life. It's what Jesus says. I came to give you life and that life more abundantly. So this is an incentive that God gives. He says, if you'll fear the Lord, that this is the benefit of that. Long life, he says, extended life. And he says, in fact, he will, he will bless you. Listen, th- this is repeated, by the way. Isn't, this isn't just Old Testament. It's repeated in the New Testament as well. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2 and 3 and so forth. But he, then he says that you may, be, may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. So the third thing is your surroundings will be blessed. You'll have spillover blessings to those around you, those in your family. That's what will happen if you have this healthy respect for God. Listen, fathers, if you, you, 
If you cultivate that in your family, you cultivate it in your home. Not not a trembling, you know, fear that every time you talk about God, but a healthy respect that God is always respected in your home. It's one thing when you when you're when you grow up in church or your kids grow up in church that um, we can catch on to some kind of what we might even call Christian humor, right? And Christian humor sometimes can can get to the edge of, in fact. Um, disrespect for the things of God. And you have to be careful of that. Careful in language. If you have this healthy respect, let me, let me, um, a, a pet peeve of mine. And you can say, Rick, you're like overboard. But when someone uses God as a, um, as a fill-in in conversation, for instance, something happens, they go, oh my God. Uh, my kids would, I remember uh, in a few occasions, our, my kids had caught that. They caught it. I don't know if they caught it from church. They caught it from kids in church. I don't know where they caught it. They, you can see it all, the, all over the place. People will say, oh, my God. And, I'll say, and I would say, oh, are you praying? Let's talk to God. Are we talking to God? When you're saying, oh, my God, is that, is that just a fill-in, you know? I'm glad people, when something drastic happens, don't go, oh, my Rick. You know? My kids don't go, oh, my dad. Oh, my dad. What? So it's, it's great to go, oh, my God, I need your help. Oh, my God. But it's disrespectful. I'm just throwing out some things, right? Where we... we and, and I'm throwing out one that it, now you can carry that out in your conversation and, and everything else. Not to be a killjoy. Not to be overly religious. You don't want that. That doesn't help. But to always have this respectful fear or respect for God. You know? I remember when... Uh, that this one was you. There was a, a a season of time when somebody would do something and people would do this like like you're a vampire, you know, and they're putting a cross up to protect themselves. And and I remember getting kind of convicted about that. That that's that's not a game. The cross is incredibly powerful, right? There are no vampires, but the kingdom of darkness there is. And the cross is powerful against that. But it's having that healthy respect, building it into our family life, that healthy respect for God. Dads, godly dads have that. They have, they have a healthy respect for God. Now, he goes on, and the second thing is this. A godly father loves God intensely. A godly father loves God intensely. Hear, O Israel, the scripture says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. A sincere love for God. That, that you have it because if you don't have it, you will not be able to pass it on to your children. 
that, that you have to cultivate a sincere, full love for God. That if you love God, it is known. That your kids know. My kids were, uh, were taught not only that, that we love God, but we, that was the most important thing in our life. It was more important. My, it was more important to me that my kids love God than anything else. I had no other further dream for my children than that they love God with all of their heart. You know, I, I, I didn't care if they were, you know, an Oxford Rhodes Scholar or anything like that. I mean, that'd be great. Um, save a few, some few thousand dollars in college tuition and so forth. Um, but that was never the goal. I didn't care what, you know, what they would do for a living. I certainly was not interested in, tr- in promoting uh, them to be in the ministry. Uh, I know the difficulties and challenges of that, even though some of them made that decision, I believe, based upon the call of God. But that was always the, the most important. I, I didn't care about any of those things. The only thing I cared about, because I knew if they loved God First, if God was the most important in their life, that everything else would work out. But, but if, God, if God wasn't first, no matter what they did, it would never work out. That, that, that they, could, they could achieve great achievements in this world's standard, and they would, be, they would have failure in their life and in their family. And that the love of God is the most important. And so when God is talking to the children of Israel about their family, about their generations, about what the the one thing he says, he says you have to love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That God requires that and desires that. But as it is with the fear of the Lord, the desire that God has for that is not only because he loves you and he wants that reciprocated in the same way that he loves you. And you, he, he understands that you can never love him in the way that he loves you. He, he'll always love you more than you. His capacity to love is far greater than your love for him. And so he loves you more and he, I understand that. It was, one, it was a very uh, awakening time for me in my life when I reached a point as my children got older and I realized that I loved them more than they loved me. That was a shocker for me because I just knew they loved me so much. But there were seasons where I obviously became irritating to them. And uh, some of it was warranted and some of it wasn't. But the point was simply that I rec- recognize that they, they didn't have the capacity to love me as much as I love them. And you know what it made me do? It made me understand a little bit more about God's love. That, that his capacity to love me is far greater than my capacity to love him. And I certainly don't love him nearly as much as he loves me. And I can say that's true for you too. And yet, God says, listen, this is how you're to love me with everything. You're to put, your, your love for me should be the number one thing in your life. That's what he's saying. And it should be for us too. To fall in love with Jesus. With a sincere heart. That means all your heart. As you do that. And third and last thing is this. And godly fathers. A godly father lives with spiritual intentionality. Especially toward their children. If you look at it in verse 6. It says in these words which I command you today. Shall be in your heart. 
And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of, the, to, of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them on, as a sign on your hand and, and they shall be a, uh, as frontless between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. You've probably seen those if you've been to Israel and some of the the, the Jewish uh, uh, Hasidic Jews, and they'll have, they'll have actually a box taped. And what it is, is is the Ten Commandments is written. They take that literally, and I don't think that's exactly what God was talking about. He's talking about it being something that is so on your heart that is always there in front of you. What is in your, what's here, you can't, it's always going to, you, you can't, you're going to see it. It's always there. And if it's on, on the back of your hand, it's always there. And that's the point that God is saying. And so here's what this means. First of all, it's a conviction. He says, he says it shall be, these, the words that I give you, the words which I command you today shall be where? In your heart. It's a conviction. You have a conviction for, of God's word. Fathers, you have to have a conviction that the Word of God is so important. I mean, after all, it is the Word of God. It's God's Word, the Bible. And we have to have a conviction for that truth and to know it and to discover it. And I think it's one of the challenges for men. Let's, let's face it, most men, and I know I'm not speaking for everybody here, but most men don't read. That's just a, that is just a fact. That's just a fact. The average man, after high school, reads one nonfiction book their entire life. That's kind of scary. But it's, a, it's, it's fact. It's fact. And, and because guys don't tend to read, they also don't tend to read their Bible. And I was one of those guys. I grew up faking my I faked my way through school. Through high school, I never read. I didn't read anything. I, I learned how to listen. I became a good listener. So when uh, you know, the teachers were teaching, I, I could pick things up real easy. Um, but I faked my way through. If I ever read a book, it was certainly more, you know, I could read a book in 10 minutes. You know, 300-page book, 10 minutes. Fastest reader in the world. <laughs> Look at a couple of head, head, headlines, and I had it, and I was done. That was, and I, could, I hated to read. And, but I was fortunate, because when I became a Christian, when I accepted Christ, I got this insatiable desire to understand the Bible. I mean, really, it was like an addiction. I could not put the Bible down. And so that was a gift from the Lord. But I know that not everybody has that. But I also know that as I grew further in, I had to learn the discipline of studying and reading and had to make that a priority in my life. And I chose it as a priority. And so there was time given, time that I said, I'm not going to do anything else, but I'm going to study God's word. And if, if, I was, if I had to just sit there with the Bible open and, and daydream, I was going to sit there during that time with my Bible open. I eventually would get to it and read it and study it. And so, you know, you have to, you have to make a decision that you're going to put it as a priority in your life. 
But there's a conviction, he says. But there's not only conviction, and if you're writing it down in this text, there's con- it's, it's consistent, or consist- consistency. See, he says that we're to teach them diligently. Now, we're going to teach our kids diligently. That means we do it with intentionality. We do it diligently. We make sure we're getting our, we're, we're helping our kids understand who God is and understand the scriptures. So we have to learn first. And we have to find ways in which we help our kids learn the scriptures. I'm, I'm, and I, I would say we are very fortunate. And I want to say this also to any single moms here, that how important church is in helping you because if you do not have a healthy, godly um, you know, husband or father in the home, well, we've got some pretty healthy men in our church who are great examples of that. Both in our children's ministry, I know Pastor Joe's been in there for forever, and, uh, and Scott, Pastor Scott in our youth ministry, how we, and others, we have men in, in that, and, and we're always encouraging men, men of God, listen, if you want to invest, if you really want to invest in kids and invest in young men, get into our children's ministry, join up, serve in our children's ministry. I'll tell you what, our, they, so many of our children need a godly example, and, and, and it's an incredibly important supplement for raising our kids. Church is not going to raise your kids for God. You have to do that. But church is a great supplement in helping you do that. And I want to encourage you to make sure your kids are in children's ministry, not just on Sunday, but they come during the week and in the youth group. They come and they, they're, they're part of. And you make that a, an important part of their life. I, I, our kids, you know, there are times, they're not often, they, they, they loved church most of the time, they grew up in it, it was always, you know, part of their life, and they have so many friends, because they're always at church, they build friendship, but there were seasons, there were times when they didn't want to go to church, guess what I did? I made them go to church. People go, well, will you make them go to church? Won't that, won't that, that sour them? No parent thinks that way about school. I mean, a kid says, I don't go to school. So, what does that have to do with anything? You're going to school. Why? Because it's important. You go to school. And yet, when it comes to church, like, there are too many Christians that think church, the value of church is a lot like what Governor Newsom thinks about the value of church. You know? It's way down on the totem pole. It's not even important. A good liquor store is more important than, than church. And there are a lot of parents that think that way. You know, my kids, I, you know, they, they, they push against me going, making them go to church. And I say, as long as you make them go to school, you make them go to church. And, if, if, and, you, and they work through that. I, I see kids, like, they'll push back, and parents go, okay, I don't want to take them. They don't want to go to youth group, or they want to go to this. And then I see the parents that go, no, we're going. We're going to church. We're a family. We're going to church. You can go to youth group, or you can sit in church with the adults. But if you sit in church, you're going to sit, you're going to have your Bible open, and you're going to take notes. They end up going to youth group. 
And, and then they go to camp. And then they build friendships at camp. And then you go, we're going to not be able to go to church today. And they go, no, I've got to go to church. And they say, you know, and they're dragging the parents to church because they've got their friends at church. That's the way it's supposed to work. You see? And so, but we have to be that example. And we have to be consistent in doing it. And then he tells us how to do it. And this is the final thing. It's conversational. It says, this is how you do it. Okay, you're to train your, ch- your children, and how do you do it? You teach them diligently, right? There's consistency, and then and you, and to, to your children, and she'll talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them on as signs. So when, when do you do it? When you're sitting down and lying, you're sitting down and lying up, and when, when you're standing up, when... When you're walking, when you're doing every, whatever you're doing. You're, and this doesn't mean like, you know, you, your kids come home and say, how, how, how's it going, Dad? Psalms 2-5, you know. <laughs> you, you, it, it's conversation, it's relational. It's relational, it's not religious, it's relational. But that's how it works. Because it's in your life and it permeates out of your life, then conversation arises and you're able then to disciple your children and to help them in everyday life situations. You take them to prayer and you talk about the things of God in their situation. It works, you know, when, when they say, I don't, but you use different things, you know. It's raining, you know, and you go, aren't you glad that God made a promise that it's not going to rain until we're all drowned. Yeah, we got a story to tell, you know. We can tell the story of Noah, you know, when they're little, you know. When they're real little, they ask questions like, can God beat up Batman? Oh, with both hands tied behind his back. He can absolutely annihilate them, right? Because those are important, right? But then, then, then things change. Some of our deepest conversations that we've had in our family was when we were watching TV programs. We'd be watching a pro. I, I ruined a few, I have to tell you. I ruined a few. Because we'd pause it and go, okay, what did they just say and what was their value? Because they just lied to their parents. And it seems like they're kind of happy about it. What, what do you think about that? What do you think about the... What do you think... What does God say about that? And we'd have conversation. And sometimes it would be, oh, Dad, you're running the, the program, you know. But I'd pick things up, you know. They're, they're, here, here they're, they're, n- notice this. They, they're just kind of flippantly talking about sleeping with one another. Just... You know, like no value. Now, I'm not, I'm telling you, I didn't do that at every, but when there were teaching opportunities and I felt it was, it was a good opportunity to expose something because this is what I wanted my kids to see. I wanted them to, to, um, to identify the hidden message that was coming out. It wasn't really that hidden. 
But it was subtle. The subtle lie, the subtle deception, the subtle message that was contrary to God's word. You, you saw how they made fun of that Christian in that sitcom? Do you see that? See how they did that? Like mocking them? Um, what do you think about that? You see. And so it was opportunity to see things because you see them when you're, when you're watching it critically. And I wanted them to see things and to watch things critically. That was important to me. I can say this. We walked out of a few movies theaters in the process. We've turned off a few TV stations, TV programs in the process. We've made decisions. Not with the religious spirit. I don't think my kids, any of them, would say that was the case for us. But there was, in fact, conversational teaching and discipleship that was going on. And the most important thing was we were guarding their innocence. We wanted to make sure that the most important thing is that they love God. We pulled kids out of public school at times. Our kids were public school, they were homeschooled, they were Christian schooled, in different, each one differently. We have, you know, for those who don't know, we have five kids. They all love God. They are all serving God. But there were challenges, and you go through those things. But you make the decision, every decision for us was, will this make and help my child to love God with all their heart. That was more important than anything else. More important. More important than their, their education, their career, their future, in any other um, economic way. Most important. Do they love God? That's what a godly father does. And you might say, I'm kind of late in the game. I know a lot of fathers that came late to the game. Say, so, you know, I didn't raise my kids properly. I have regret that I didn't do that. I want to tell you it's never too late. It might take a while. It might be more challenging. There's help for you. We tried, I, I, tried, I tried devotions. I'm a pastor. I tried doing devotions with my kids. It was a total failure. I am I'm the most boring children's teacher. I just could not do it. My wife was great. I just could not make it happen well. But I could talk to him, and you can too. And if you say, I don't know what to say, I, I have not learned, I don't know it that well. You live in a wonderful age. A wonderful age. You can Google. <laughs> you can find answers. Here, here's one for you if you, if you don't know. Blue Letter Bible. Okay, just write that down. BlueLetterBible.com. You can look up all kinds of things scripturally and learn and study any subject. And God, listen, you ha it's easier for us than any other time in history to find information. Take advantage of it and let God use you. I pray, I want to pray for fathers. And I'm praying for grandfathers because you have an influence well. You too are influencing your kids and how important you are in making a difference in their lives. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for I thank you for every dad here. 
Lord, whether their kids are all grown up or they're still, they're still on the way, or I even pray for future dads here, that, Lord, the truth of your word would sink into their heart so when the, that day comes, they will be well ahead of the game. They'll be prepared right from the beginning to do whatever it takes and whatever is needed to raise godly kids. Because your promise, Lord, is that would not only come to our children, but to our children's children's children, Lord. And that we would raise, we would, we would have a, an inheritance, Lord. We would leave a legacy of family that serves you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's worship. Let's can. Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Well, I've seen many searching for answers, both far and wide, but Searching for answers, only you provide, and you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Love so undeniable, I, I can hardly speak. Peace so unexplainable I I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love love, love, love you're a good, good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Amen. Amen. Have a great Father's Day.
Be blessed. We'll see you online on Wednesday. God bless you.